Anytime a company can automate a function that a person used to be able to do, allowing that person to become creative and do, do other things for the company, that's all really good. So I look for that in NewGen IT. Chris Primesberger is Editor-in-Chief at eWeek. For over two decades, one of the leading outlets for information technology news, reviews, and features. eWeek was recently acquired by a new publisher, technologyadvice.com. Chris has been covering and analyzing IT business and innovation since 1995. In addition to his chores running eWeek, Chris is also busy these days with the eWeek chat on Twitter, which you can easily join via CrowdChat, and in the process of producing the eSpeaks video interview series and a new podcast. So Chris, first of all, welcome. And second, you're a pretty busy fellow. Thank you very much. And you know what? It's all about multimedia these days, isn't it? It used to be, you know, you're a newspaper reporter or radio reporter or whatever, television, and that's it. Not anymore. That change sort of came about, it seems to me, with the, when you know, the smartphones, because then reporters, you know, you could cover, you could bring those with you either for in-person interviews or at let's say conferences and pull those out and begin to start to record a little bit of video, maybe audio as well, and use that to supplement print pieces. Yeah. And and the more and more that we saw that happening, and of course, now you've got this evolution where every, you know, like you say, it, people have to be a jack of all trades. You know, I noticed this in 2009 was the first time when I, I had just been with eWeek for four years and uh, our publisher, Ziff Davis, had a series of layoffs all at once. And I was lucky to be retained. But we lost nine full-time, very, very good, well-known tech writers at the time. And I looked at all of them later. I looked and I said, what, what do they have in common? They did not want to do anything really on any other kind of media channel. They were good writers and that's what they did and that's all they wanted to do. And I got, kind of got the clue there that I better start doing video and, and audio interviews and whatever moderate panels and things like that at IT conferences, which is what I do also. But you got to be versatile. And like, you know, it's like the software world, you got to be agile, right? And as you made that change from somebody who was a print person, most of his career to doing some of these other things, the audio and video stuff, did you enjoy it? I do enjoy it. There's never a dull moment. There's a learning curve involved. Uh, as, as you might imagine, it's, uh, it's a kind of a different discipline to do audio and video. With a story, usually you have time to work on it and sculpt it and uh, make it airtight and then send it out. A lot of times with uh, the other video, the other mediums, uh, it's very quick and instantaneous and you just have to do it on the spot. Let's talk a little bit about eWeek, the ownership change that we mentioned from just a couple of weeks ago. What kind of impact uh, do you expect that to have on the outlet? Anytime you know you change owners or you change publishers, in my case, there are changes involved. Uh, as you know, um, little background on eWeek. It was founded as a weekly newspaper back in the Boston area in 1983. So it was it was a small newspaper, came out, talked about new products mostly. Uh, and then it was called PC Week from 83 to 2000. In 2000, the company, uh, which is owned by Ziff Davis Publishing, an old line family publishing business in New York. Uh, in 2000, they realized that eWeek had kind of transcended its PC name and was covering lots of other things. In fact, for several years, it had been covering lots of other things like servers and storage and everything, networking, everything else. So I changed the name to eWeek when we've been eWeek since 2000. I came in 2004 as a contract writer and then uh, became full-time in 06, right when the cloud started. So I was given the cloud beat pretty much. I think I was one of the first full-time cloud writers uh, in the business. 
because uh, I started in May of 06 and uh, AWS came out with its S3 storage, its cloud storage, a couple months later. So I kind of beat that trend without knowing it at the time, of course. In 2012, uh, Ziff sold us with a bunch of other sites, about 40 other sites, to a company called Quinn Street here in uh, Silicon Valley. Quinn Street is a digital marketing company, very good one, but it does several different businesses, not just IT. It does insurance and education and credit cards and all kinds of other things where it finds leads for customers. They owned us until this year. It turns out that they really, really weren't that interested in the IT, B2B IT business. They liked us and we were good margin for them, but not as big a margin as the other businesses. So they let us be acquired by a company called Technology Advice in Nashville, which is a young, exuberant company, privately owned, well-funded. It has its own VC firm that owns it and other properties. They own real estate in Nashville, office buildings. They're actually brilliantly organized, well-diversified. Rob Bellenfont is their 35-year-old CEO. Can you believe that? A UT graduate. And uh, he's a fascinating young guy. And he's the driving force behind this whole company. Anyway, they really wanted eWeek and uh, our, some of our other sister sites, uh, 38 of them, actually, including Datamation, IT Business Edge, eSecurity Planet, Webopedia, and a bunch of others. So they've got a whole new set of sites for content that they can use. Their business is basically the same business as eWeeks, and that's connecting B2B people, the vendors and the creators of tech and the buyers of tech, and being straightforward and analytical about what products fit best in what use cases, and that's what we do. We have big clients like IBM and others. It's a very healthy business. We're very excited about it because they're all in on B2B IT as we are. They're giving us a lot of good support in areas that we didn't have support in before. And it's not to Quinn Street's detriment. It's just that we were not a top priority for Quinn Street, and we are a top priority for technology advice. Any preview of some of the changes you expect to implement? Well, what's really nice is that I'm able to create new, I hate to call them products, but you know, I guess everything is a product, right? So when we, we create a new kind of a feature form, whether it's multimedia, like we were just talking about, you know, we have our website, we have our eWeek chat, which is the new gen. We actually, I got in early on that. We started that in January of 2013 and we've done 86 months worth of eWeek chats. So we have not, we've only missed a couple because of summer vacation last year, I took a break. But the eWeek chat is a, a crowd chat that's interactive, live. We have experts on for our various topics and uh, people can interact with the experts, ask them questions about trends and products, etc. And then uh, it's all recorded for posterity right there in crowdchat.net. So I'd recommend checking it out. I was just talking to John Furrier. John is one of the uh, principals in SiliconAngle.com, which does the Cube. They do live interviews at conferences and stuff. Anyway, he created CrowdChat.net, and they're going to start using video on that soon. So we're going to be trying that out. It's going to be fun. So that's just one. And then uh, we also, I started eWeeks, eSpeaks uh, last month, and those are just one-on-one Zoom interviews with thought leaders, usually about eight minutes long. We get right to the point, and you get to know a company pretty quickly through those. And we have we have other products too, so to speak. But uh, I like the freedom of being able to create new formats. When it comes to explaining all this enterprise IT to even, even a technical audience, the people that not only read eWeek, but uh, 
watch the videos, listen to the podcasts. There's still this need to to somewhat simplify things without diminishing and and certainly forfeiting any credibility. So when you're putting these tech stories together, yeah, what's the secret to making these things, uh, these stories understandable for all your readers? If there is a secret, if I have a gift at all, I think it's understanding the high level of a, of a story. And in this case, with business to business IT, it's about business value. So it's understanding the tech itself, what it does for a business, how a business can save time, effort, uh, mostly time and effort. Those are the most important things. And then, of course, money on the bottom line uh, is important, too. I'm not going to discount that. Uh, anytime a company can automate a function that a person used to be able to do, allowing that person to become creative and do, do other things for the company, that's all really good. So I look for that all the time in new gen it new gen it is our handmaiden they're working for us those apps and those devices are working for us they need to help us get our jobs done help us communicate help us be entertained whatever we're using those things for i look at it from a very high level as the story goes on i go deeper and explain how that happens but i think if you start at a really high level and talk about simple processes and simple reactions or uh, simple results from using a piece of software or a device and then go deeper. That's how I do it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that little clip of yours from just the last few seconds. I'm going to use that in our media coaching sessions because I've spent 20 years saying that to executives. Start at that high level. Tell that business story and, there, and then follow the reporter's lead based on what they need for their story how much background they have and whatever it is that you do and, and how, how much in the weeds they want to get, then follow and be helpful and provide that information. Does that sound familiar? Exactly. That's exactly right. And what I do is I don't pretend to be a technology expert at all. I do know quite a bit about storage and about the cloud because that was my beat at eWeek before I became editor. In fact, I've had at least two big analysis firms ask me to be their storage analyst. And I've turned them both down for various reasons. But in other things, networking, chips, servers, things, I'm not an expert. So what I do is I rely on my contributors, my writers, to go deeper if necessary. And I let them go ahead and be the tech experts. Or I'll talk to an expert on uh, an eSpeaks segment or in uh, an eWeek chat and have them explain the deeper technical aspects of all of this. So I don't ever pretend to be an expert in, in most areas, but in some areas, I can go deep. So when you're bringing a young reporter on board, whether it's the E-Week or maybe even just somebody you meet and somebody you might be mentoring, what do you suggest for them as far as getting up to speed? Because the technology, I, I know, is, you know, for my, my first client when I got into tech PR was a company called Web Methods. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Oh, yeah. And I remember sitting in my boss's office, Chris, and he's and this is my first day. And he's explaining what they do, this application middleware. And as a person who used to just be in the news and sports field, my head was spinning. And I remember going home that night and saying to my wife, I don't know what I got myself into. I don't know what the heck these people are talking about. And what it became for me was, how do I figure out this complex story? But what's sort of the business nugget? What's important here? And the things that you just referenced a few minutes ago about saving time and, and, and effort and, and how, how it all makes something better for, for the users out there. But when you're, when you're talking to new reporters, how, how do you get them up to speed? Well, that's a good question. I hope they're, they've already come to me knowing 
at least some part of IT that they can talk about, whether it's a networking app or whether it's storage, whether it's security. I'm finding that you need to know at least one corner of IT. You know why? Because they're all connected at one point or another. All parts of IT connect. Security isn't everything. That nothing works without a good networking scheme. You have to store the data somewhere. Where is that? Well, mm, let me think. Servers that process all of this. You know, it's all connected. Once you learn one corner, you can learn a lot about the entire IT system and the cloud variants and the cloud connections that they have. So I would expect if I were hiring a young writer, which I'm not right now, I wish I could, I think my new publisher is going to allow us to do that, though. I'm really, I'm holding, I'm crossing my fingers that we can do that soon. But I would like to have that writer know one good section of IT and know it well, and then expand the knowledge across. That's what I would do. Well, let's talk a little bit about collaborative technologies. A couple of weeks or a week or two ago, you published an article, you actually updated an article from a year ago, highlighting how collaborative technologies impact how and where we work. When you updated that article from last year, how, how many changes did you have to make based on COVID-19? Not too much, except for the video part, obviously. Who knew that Zoom was going to increase its business by 350% in five months, which is what it did. WebEx is also way up there. Even GoToMeeting is improving you know, its market share. In fact, there are some new video conference uh, apps that have sprung up in the last couple of months, all with different strengths and weaknesses, mostly strengths. But when Eric Wan, uh, who's the CEO of Zoom, struck out in his own after building WebEx, basically for Cisco, he had his own ideas about how to improve it that I guess Cisco didn't allow him to do or whatever, but he had the freedom to do that, and he did it. And uh, back in January, I think uh, Zoom had something like 13 million users, and they were all basically business. And now they're way, way over 200 million and climbing. And I think it's even more than that. So it's all about video right now. I changed everything in that story that had to do with video. I updated it. And Google is really blitzing the field right now with mm -hmm. promotions for their video service. You think they're a little too late to the game given Zoom's head start? I don't think so. I think there's room for a lot. You know, Facebook just came out with a new one called Facebook Rooms. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. It just came out. I, I just, uh, John Furrier, our friend from the Cube, and I were on it yesterday testing it out. It's not bad, only you can't record anything. So you need to be able mm -hmm. to record these things. I think Facebook will come around to that eventually. Each one of these uh, services has, like I said, a strength and a weakness. Some record, some don't. Some have limitations on the number of people that can be in it. Some have limitations on time. Google Meet uh, looks like it's very similar to Google Hangouts, except for it's got a few more features. So I think it's been just kind of rejiggered a little bit, but it's basically the same app as Google Hangouts. Three quick questions before we wrap up. Uh, conferences and events, how do you see them in the long term being impacted by COVID-19? Will they ever be the same? They're not going to ever be the same, but we're still going to have personal conferences. I, there's no question. People have to do business face-to-face, -face, handshake to handshake or elbow to elbow, whatever it is. We're still going to do that. We're just going to be doing video a lot more. What kind of business executives are the best ones to interview? Which ones do you enjoy the most? Which ones the least? The business execs I want to talk to are the highest level, C-level execs I can because they have the biggest view of the company. They have the big picture view. So I want to talk to the CEO if possible. Generally speaking, the CEOs 
have marketing experience. They have technical experience. I, I would hope if they're in a tech business, I would hope that they also can speak to different audiences like reporters in addition to shareholders and boards of directors and staff and everything and partners and everything else. So I want to talk to the highest level C-level exec as, as I possibly can because of their vision. Same kind of question now as far as PR people for you and your colleagues at eWeek. What kind of PR people are most helpful? You know, I have had very, very good luck with the PR people in this business. I can honestly say, John, I can think of only a couple people over the years that just really disappointed me. But, you know, people make mistakes. I blow by meetings, too, so I understand that. But most PR people are well-prepared. They know what eWeek does. They can see our product. They can see what we cover. They can see how we cover it. They can say who's covering it. We've got a lot of really good analysts that write for us. So they know what we do, and we've been around a long time. We've been a survivor in this business. And I think that's what technology advice knows, too. They know that we've, we've been, we're in it for the long term, as they are. The best PR people are the ones who don't mind pinging me three or four times on a piece because I can't answer every email. And I do not mind one bit if they send me a, a reminder email more than once to do something or to set up an interview. I don't mind it. Just go ahead and do it. All it is is an extra email on my pile. Instead of 450, I get 475 or whatever it is that day. Well, it's funny you should say you don't mind being repeatedly pinged because obviously some people don't feel the same way. So from a PR person's perspective, sometimes it's, but that's just knowing the people you deal with, the people you've developed these business relationships with. How do some people like to work? Other people are going to work differently. Yeah, I don't mind it because it's just an email. And I know that person's doing his or her job. That's their job. So, you know, and I also have, uh, John, I have a kind of a soft spot for PR people because I was one myself for three years. Uh, I worked at the st in the Stanford University Department of Athletics, and I did media relations for them for three years. So I know what it's like to, to try to approach you know, a reporter about a story that you think is important and would be good uh, and being rejected by it. So I know what that's like. I've been on both sides of the fence and uh, I like my side of the fence, actually. There you go. Well, with all the digital transformation, it's been, in many respects, a tough go for so many of the journalists that we've worked with through the years and the outlets, of course. But uh, hopefully with the new ownership, things will be really looking up for you at E-Week. And we'll look forward to following you in the months ahead. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Again, our thanks to Chris Primesberger for joining us here on the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Be sure to visit eWeek.com for the latest in tech news. And remember, it comes in a variety of formats, from the stories you read to the eSpeaks videos and the eWeek chat on Twitter. As always, we hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing series on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we always welcome your comments, and we're looking for suggestions, too, for future episodes you might like to hear. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.